Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast for Salem Heights Church. We meet weekly at 9 and 11 a.m. For more information, visit SalemHeightsChurch.org. Man, aren't you thankful to be at church this morning? Yeah. Uh, I just want to uh, take a moment. I'm thankful for not just the opportunity that we have to be able to preach the word, but you're also thankful for the folks who lead us in worship. Yeah, week in and week out. Uh, I have the privilege of speaking for a moment and then sitting down. I know uh, some of you just said amen. Thanks for that. I do want you to hear something, though. This is an important morning uh, for a lot of reasons, but I want you to be able to have uh, two attitudes as you listen this morning. Uh, The entire weekend, uh, there's been something that is happening at the church, and uh, we'll give you all the stats next week, but... Um, around 50 churches, over 300 people that were in uh, this auditorium and in other places throughout the building, learning how they can be uh, a friend to somebody who is hurting, a counselor to somebody who is broken, how they can meet the needs of a world that's in desperate need of Jesus, but how they can also meet the friend that's in the room right now worshiping next to them, whose life is stuttering and overwhelming. It's been an awesome weekend. Uh, and you're going to get to meet some of the, the key reasons why this is happening. God's speaking through the speakers that you'll see. My introduction, though, is to introduce Pete. And uh, the passage that has been the heartbeat for the entire weekend is 1 Thessalonians 5.14. I want to read the two pers- verses before it. I'm going to ask you to have an attitude as you listen this morning. Two attitudes. It says this. Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to give recognition to those who labor and lead you in the Lord and admonish you, and to regard them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. Now I can uh, preach on this this morning freely because I'm not the pastor that uh, this verse is talking about. I want you to very greatly appreciate somebody who has been called into ministry in our church but who is a pastor indeed. And I want you to show appreciation for Pete Potloff, Pastor Pete. It is a rare gift for pastors in a ministry to step down on a weekend, uh, but step away. I want you to see in my own book, there are notes. Uh, I'm listening, I'm growing, I'm learning from the word. I get to be fed at this location by those who teach and lead. I sit down, I open my Bible, the Lord speaks through Pete and those that he has brought here, and we ought to be thankful for that, amen? So I want you to have an attitude of appreciation, but the second thing I want you to have is an attitude of openness. We don't want you just to grow in knowledge this morning, all right? I want your feet to change direction. The whole goal of the passage that they have been laboring over is that people within the church would be called by the Spirit of God, they would respond to the Lord to do their part. It is a truth that the educated, and just look around our nation, the educated are often unaware of the people around them. And most of us are educated beyond our obedience. We know a lot of things we never put into practice. Let me just pick on counselors and psychologists for a moment. If our people that are present that uh, qualify as such will (laughs) allow me. 
I actually read from one psychologist uh, the top 10 jokes that hit too close to home for a counselor. All right? Uh, I'll just share with you one of them. He said, uh, counselor comes upon a scene. Just imagine it's downtown Portland. And he finds somebody who has been beaten and who has had all of their stuff stolen. They're, they're badly bruised. They're wounded and they're on the sidewalk. And the counselor comes on the scene and exclaims for everyone to be able to hear, man, whoever did that to you really needs some help. Yeah, it'll slowly work its way through there, right? Yeah. Not what the Samaritan said. We can look at something that's a real mess and miss the point. Here's what I'm asking you to consider. God's not asking you to get educated this morning. He's asking you to get involved. If you walk out of here and you don't have a passion to see a friend, neighbor, maybe your spouse, maybe it's you. You've got to yield to the word of God. But you need to help somebody else take one more step in their faith. And this morning, we're asking you to consider one way that the Lord can impact your life and make that happen. And to help us with that is Pastor Pete. Show him some appreciation as he comes. Thank you. Normally, I pray for our speakers. Uh, so I'm going to do that right now, and I'm going to let him preach, okay? Father, we, uh, we thank you for what you're doing at our church. We thank you for the way that you're using our counseling ministry, made to minister. Um, Father, what a profound impact it's had on our church, uh, those who lead it, those who uh, have studied hard to make sure that they are approved and that they are helping um, not just people within the church, but outside, find you, walk closer to you. I thank you for how you've gifted Pete to lead in that department, for the uh, passion you've given him, not only for your word, but for your people. Help him now uh, to help us grow one step closer to you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Well, good morning, church. Man, I'm excited. And last week I said that and you laughed at me because I didn't come off very excited. But I'm really excited this morning for this passage and just the ability to introduce you to some of my friends and, and have us have a little conversation in front of you. If this is your first Sunday, I know it might feel weird. You're like, great, we picked a Sunday where they're coming off of a counseling conference that I wasn't a part of. Is there anything in this for me this morning? The answer to that is yes. Because God's word has something for us every time we open it and read it. And so 1 Thessalonians 5.14 was the passage and, and this weekend that kind of guided our whole conference. And I want to look at that verse with us because we're going to focus on the last part of the verse. We saved the best for last for you. Do you believe that? All right, we can wait and see on that. <laughs> I got to share something with you. There has been nothing more impactful to my development as a pastor than being involved in the biblical counseling ministry. It has rounded me out. It has filled in gaps. It has softened my heart. It has given me a compassion that doesn't exist naturally inside of me for the sheep that God has called me to be one of the shepherds of. And one of my heart's desire for this church is that we're not just a church where people um, kind of come and they receive care, but that we as one church family understand that this is an every member ministry, that, that call to one another, to care for one another, to, to look out for one another, to minister to one another, isn't just placed on Justin and Matt and I as the pastors or our elders. It's placed on everyone who's been called to be part of this local church. And I'm so thankful for the way that is already coming through. 
And so when we talk about biblical counseling, yeah, there's some specific things that those who are called into that ministry to serve might be equipped to do. Uh, they've gotten some specialized training or they've been called to use maybe their own stories to be able to help people. But all I want you to hear is that every one of you has been made to minister. And what 1 Thessalonians 5.14 tells us is that we need you all because there are are a variety of needs in the church and each one of them requires us to be dealing with them in a very unique and special way. It says in 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 14, and we exhort you brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle, comfort the discouraged, help the weak, be patient with everyone. I think that for a lot of us in here, we do have the desire to help. We just don't know how to help. But there's something that I want us to to see in this passage is if you've ever come across a a car crash or an accident scene, um, what basic first aid will tell you is that when you come up to a a scene of an accident, even if you have a desire to help those who are involved in the wreck, that you should stop and assess the scene for danger, that you shouldn't just come in and start trying to help, even though you have good intentions, that there are certain things you can do out of help that actually can be harmful. And so you're supposed to come up and you're supposed to assess the scene. Is the danger, has it stopped? Is there anything else that could cause safety concerns? And if that has been approved that there isn't, then we ask the person who's been hurt, can I help you? We come alongside them to make sure that we don't move them or jostle them because they could be in a very precarious situation that's going to need special attention. What 1 Thessalonians 5.14 tells us is that when we come in contact with one another, that we need to be paying attention to one another. And that as we come alongside one another and want to help each other, that even though we might have the truth of God's word, and this is the thing that should be the salve that comes and anoints all of our weaknesses, all of our bruises, all of our pain, that there are some times where we can actually use God's word in a way that's not helpful. And so here it identifies three different types of people. Sometimes there are people that are idle. They know the truth, but they're choosing not to follow God. And as a church, we're called to admonish them, to warn them, For some people, it says here that they're discouraged. They're sinking under the weight of constant affliction and and struggle. We're called to see them and and not come alongside with a warning for them, but to help them, to encourage them. For some, it says they're weak. They're they're stuck. They don't know really how to take the next step forward. And we're we're called to come alongside them and help them, to help them take that next right step. But no matter our approach, what all three of these gifts to other people require is grace and truth. Full grace, full truth. And we can have hope as brothers and sisters in the Lord that we can actually do that because the Savior who we follow came and took on flesh. And it says in John 1, 14, that he was full of grace and truth. There's a lot of opinions out there on how to make things better. There's a lot of social commentary and personal opinions on what I would do if I was in charge. There's a lot of things that we can think of of what caused people to get into precarious situations. There are a lot of attitudes that you and I, even as followers of Jesus Christ, could have when we see people hurting. What the Bible calls every single follower of Christ to be is to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. To come alongside those people and to assess their needs and then to actually, whatever the Lord leads us to do in an effort to help them is full of grace 
and truth. Nowhere in scripture will you see sometimes it just needs to be all grace and sometimes it needs to be all truth. Too much of one without the other is not love. We need to be fully grace and fully truth at all times. Why? Because that is our savior. That is our savior. And so we talked about encouraging the discouraged. We talked about admonishing the idle. We talked about helping the weak. But this morning, we're going to focus on this last imperative, this last command, be patient with everyone. And what I want us to understand is that the process of helping someone requires patience. Agreed? Can you think of somebody in your life that's been patient with you? I hope so. I'm thankful for the people that have been patient with me. But I, I want to share a couple of observations to set up our conversation. Then I'm going to invite Lee and Garrett up here to kind of help us understand this a little bit more, how this could actually be lived out by our entire church family. First thing about patience, first thing we see about just this idea of coming alongside is that at some point we all need the ministry of the church. It says here, be patient with everyone. Be patient with everyone. That in some ways implies that there actually might be other needs outside of being idle or being discouraged or needing, being weak. There might be other needs that aren't listed here, but whatever the needs are, we are to care for them and we are to be patient with everyone. Everyone is going to need the ministry of the church. I believe that you're here this morning because there's something you're searching for that you believe the church can actually point you in that direction or can provide through the power of God's word, the power of his Holy Spirit, using one another to encourage one another, to teach one another, to help them grow. We all need the ministry of the church. I don't think any of us is gonna disagree with that, but we gotta see what it says here, the first part of verse 14. It says, and we exhort you brothers and sisters. The second thing I want us to realize is that the ministry of the church is a shared responsibility. It's not saying, I want to exhort you. I'm going to challenge you, charge you pastors or church leaders or church staff members. It's speaking to everyone who calls himself a follower of Jesus Christ. All of us are to be ready sometimes to be able to admonish the idol, sometimes to be able to encourage or comfort the discouraged, sometimes to be able to help the weak, but to, in all cases, be patient with one another. The third thing that I think this just leads us to the conclusive idea then is our diversity. And I look around this room and there's so much diversity in our church. Multiple generations, multiple stages of spiritual maturity. It's a beautiful thing. But that diversity demands patience if we are going to minister to one another. That word patience means long suffering. You know why I think that's in here? You know why I think he says, be ready to admonish, be ready to comfort, be ready to help. And then he says, but be patient. It's because inside of you is not enough patience for the people that God is surrounding you with. You do not possess enough patience for the people that God has stuck you with. But in him, he can give you enough patience to love them like he loves them. You guys maybe have seen these master classes that have become a big thing. 
masterclasses. There's like over 180 videos taught by masters that can teach you how to become better at something, can teach you skills in just a matter of minutes. And so there's probably some value in there. If I want to learn how to cook better, I can watch a, a master chef cook and I could get better at cooking. If I want to be able to write better, someone who's written lots of books can maybe teach me how to do that. I think there's some wisdom in learning from people who have done things or who have mastered something. When it comes to the topic of patience, to long suffering, you know who we should look to? The Lord. In Exodus 34, we see for the very first time in scripture where God says, let me tell you who I am. Will you listen to me? Can I speak for myself for a second rather than you tell me who I am or tell other people who I am? Can I tell you who I am? And in that description, he talks about being compassionate and long-suffering. In the Hebrew, the word there that is being used to describe God's long-suffering or his patience is this idea of being long in the nose. You got what? Well, the idea here is that when you get upset at something, you get impatient with something, you get frustrated with something, your face gets red because you're irritated. But someone that's long in the nose, it takes longer for the full features of their face to get red. That's what that means. That's the picture it's trying to portray. This is God. The patience that you are going to need to fulfill God's call in your life for one another care, for the soul care of somebody else is going to require a patience that you don't possess. It has to be spiritually produced. It's one of the qualities in the fruit of the spirit. It's a supernatural long suffering that the Lord has modeled to his people over and over and over again. Because if you read throughout the scriptures, what do we see about the Lord? His steadfast, long suffering love. So we're called to be patient. And so this morning, I want to invite up uh, two of our guest speakers who were here this weekend for our counseling conference. And uh, they're going to help us kind of understand the importance of patience, but also why you should care about the one another care of our church here. And so would you welcome Garrett Higby and Lee Lewis up. First off, just let me thank you guys for staying an extra day. You, you fulfilled your responsibility speaking at the conference, but you agreed to help kind of flesh this out. And I'm really thankful for both of these men. I, I had a chance to hear them speak at a national conference. They didn't know me. I didn't know them, but I thought, man, it'd be great one day to have them come and bless our people because I was really encouraged. And then the Lord made that happen. So thank you men for being here. Uh, Lee and Garrett are... Uh, pastors, counselors, they, they've done a lot of different things in the area of uh, pastoral ministry, biblical counseling. Uh, but you guys work to do uh, what you guys kind of call soul care or counseling in community. And I was hoping you could kind of share, like, when you think about just this idea that be patient with everyone or that the, the ministry of coming alongside one another is an every member ministry, how have you tried to describe that to churches to try to help them see that this is really something that everyone has a part in? Um, well, first of all, it's an uh, absolute privilege to be here. Thanks, Pete, for uh, inviting us. Um, we ha- it has not been missed on Lee and I that you guys are a, a light in a dark place, that you guys are um, contagiously standing for Christ um, in a <clears throat> community that desperately needs 
the gospel and uh, and there's just some really sweet people here that are getting after it but not just for this church but are a benefactor for churches around the region so I uh, just wanted to commend your leadership um, and your uh, hearts for um, not just this church, but the churches um, all over this area. So really encouraged by that. Um, we, you know, in the simplest terms, soul care, which might be kind of a foreign term to some of you, is really just speaking the truth in love with growing skill and compassion um, really trying to be uh, Christ with skin on uh, for your neighbor, right? Incarnational uh, in your ministry to one another. And there's over 40 independent one another's in scriptures. And the last time I checked, they were all mandates. Um, they weren't optional. And so I take that really seriously. And so we've spent our lives trying to figure out what it looks like to to wake up and equip and empower and mobilize the ground troops uh, to be able to live out the one another's in a way that your your church and all churches would be known for their love. Mm-hmm. Um, yep, there we go. Um, I think that, um, like building off what Garrett said, uh, I, think I probably have learned more about this as a pastor than as a counselor, but I think it, it, it's also been in my private practice when I had one, um, just the concept of patience. Um, if you read the commands that he's talking about, the one another's, from just a do, a do and a don't, um, we're supposed to love one another. We're supposed to forgive one another. We're supposed to bear with one another. We're supposed to exhort one another. If you, if you just read them as techniques and you don't understand the motivation behind them, then, then I think it falls well short of what God's, what, what's God, what God's intended design is for the church. Um, but when you put yourself in the place of having received all of the one another's, from God through Jesus Christ, it flips the script a bit. Because aren't you glad you've been forgiven? Then why wouldn't we forgive one another? Like, and when you, when you get a group of people together that's a hot mess like this, no offense, because my church is a hot mess too, um, uh, but grace and truth are colliding um, through the power of Jesus Christ, powerful things happen. Um, so the gospel's the motivation for these things, and where the gospel's proclaimed and the people of God take seriously that call on their own hearts, which stirs their worship, it has to then by default, because of how the gospel directs us outwardly, it has to by default then affect how we see one another. Um, and so for you to ever say you don't have a ministry here is actually one of the greatest misperceptions that you could have. Your ministry is one another. And it's not, like Garrett said, it's not an optional ministry. But then the patience part that's so beautiful is God's just this master artist who's doing a slow, thorough, careful, amazing work. Why would we bully someone along when he doesn't do that to us, right? So it's a patient, careful work because of how patient and long-suffering, to Pete's point, that God is with us. Yeah. As I think about this topic, you know, there are some that come to church and, and they need the ministry of the church. And they're in a season where hurt, brokenness, repentance, they, they need the, the body of Christ to come around them. But we do also live in a consumeristic culture, world, where it's really easy to kind of settle into that chair and just kind of receive and receive and receive. And then there's times where people come to church, and I've actually heard that they don't feel cared for. It's like, I came here to feel, get the care. I don't feel cared for. But uh, perhaps that's because... Uh, we don't look at it as the church isn't just from what I get from it, it's what the Lord wants me to be the church. Um, I'll have a role in that. 
And so if we're going to be a church that truly is caring, that, that care has to be developed in us. So what would you guys say are some of the signs that a church is made up of people who are, who are doing soul care right or doing that well? <clears throat> I was just uh, thinking before I came up in, a, in my Bible, sort of, um, you know, brought me to this passage um, through the Spirit, I think, um, you know, in 2 Corinthians 3, this is, this is what I think someone said already, you know, it's not that you don't want to help, it's just like, who am I to help? You know, like, I, I need help, and yes, I need help, and I want to give help at the same time. We're ministers, ministers of a new covenant. I don't know if you knew that was your job description. But if you look at 2 Corinthians 3, I would say I'm the one to live out 2, 3, and 4. Okay, so that's a little way to remember this. 2 Corinthians 3, I'm the one to live out 2, 3, and 4. 2 and 3 and 4 is you yourselves are letters of our recommendation written on our hearts to be known and ready by read by all. So you, you are a letter sent by God into somebody else's life, right? And you show that you're a letter from Christ delivered by us, I love that, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not by the tablets of stone, but tablets of the human hearts. Such is the confidence, because you have no confidence, right? If you're smart, you're like, ooh, you know, I got nothing except the gospel, except the word of God, except the Holy Spirit. Oh, maybe I do have something. Um, such is the confidence that we have through Christ towards God. Not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything as coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God who has made us sufficient to be ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit, for the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. Are you a life-giving Christian. That doesn't mean you don't need soul, soul care sometimes. Most of us do at different times in our life. And you might need to pull off and just be ministered to, but not just as a consumer, but to get equipped to go minister and to comfort somebody with the same comfort you've received. So, like, I see that happening in this church. I see people going, I'm not just going to take this and keep it to myself. I want to be a love letter from Jesus Christ to my neighbor, to my community. I love what's going on here, but if you've been sitting around going, that is so cool, I love watching that, it's time to get in the game. Um, I think the Western church is um, very much in danger consistently and has been for a long time of this consumer um, idea. If you go to different parts of the world where maybe they just don't have as much as we do, materialistically speaking and opportunity-wise, like you see the church very different in those settings. Um, and, I, and I think it's for a variety of reasons. Is, um, I think one of the main reasons, though, is um, they're very invested in, in, in each other because they don't think the church is about them. Um, and, and really, that's what you see throughout the scriptures is God's people, the church. I, I, I try to say this at our church when I do the call to worship. Um, I, I say welcome um, not to church because that assumes a place. I try to communicate something like, Welcome, um, welcome. We're, we're going to spend some time with the church today, right? Because the Sunday is the gathering of the church, um, and, then, and then calling them away from the mindset of what's in it for me today, and, 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 and think more like, God, how can we glorify you today mm -hmm. together? Um, and then, do you have somebody that you'd love me to pursue and pour into? And then, you know, I, I know you'll take care of me, so I can put myself way back here. 
You know, we tend to put self way up here. And Shauna said this this weekend because they, they live in the Metroplex. She's the executive director at um, Association of Biblical Counselors. Um, and, and, like, we just felt so stirred. Every time I've been here, it's my third time. You know, and if they don't ever invite me back, I'm just going to show up, okay? Um, <laughs> but every time I've been here, I think there's, there's something. It's dark here, um, but there's an advantage that I think you'll have that, that we don't in the Bible Belt. Here's what I mean. Um, I think y'all know that you're on an island out here. I think you have to watch what you say because everyone around you probably you secretly know hates you, right? Uh, I'm glad you can laugh about it because like, it scares me for you. Um, but where we are, like churches are competitors. And so like there's not this open-handed like let's partner and we, we'll, we'll give it language. But, but we're more interested in keeping our sheep so you don't take them, you know, across the five minutes across the town where your church is. And I just don't sense that here. Like there were 50 churches represented at the conference this weekend. We could probably try to pull that off in Austin. I could probably only get 10 churches to show up. It might be more numbers of people, but there'd be more territorialism based off of, well, y'all do your thing. We're going to do our thing. Y'all don't have that luxury here. It's like the body of Christ is a body of Christ here, right? So I think you're you're already pushing against that, that consumer mindset I just would entreat you to take the next step and say, okay, Lord, what, how would you have me minister here? Because maybe it's just the ministry of prayer and intercession towards somebody, for somebody. You don't have to be in the counseling room. Maybe it's an advocate. You show up as a spiritual friend to encourage somebody in the counseling session as the counselor does the counseling. Um, and, and on and on. There's many ways to come along some, uh, alongside somebody and minister to minister the gospel to them. And, and I think one of the big exhortations that, that you're going to see over and over, and if, you're, if you've been blessed by this church here and you're just kind of attending, you're just grateful to be here, man, I'm so grateful that, that how, that's how the Lord has stirred in you. But, but there's going to come a moment when you're really desperate and you're going to need more than just to show up on Sunday's kind of care. You're going to need somebody to get into your life. And the scriptures actually give you permission to pursue that right here in this body. And then there's going to come a time when God's going to tap on your shoulder and say, hey, remember that time I walked you through the valley of the shadow of death? Could you be here for them now since I've walked with you? That's 2 Corinthians 1. Mm-hmm. Like, there's going, to, there's going to come a time when you need it, and there's going to come a, going to come a time when you give it. Um, it's a both end. There's no shame connected to either one. It's what we are called to. So make yourself available first and foremost by just saying, okay, Lord, how do you want to use me? How do you want to use me in the ministry that you've called me to here This church has gone to great lengths to create avenues for you to be in community, for you to be equipped, and for you to minister in all of those settings. Take them up on it. People aren't perfect. They won't care perfect. But we're all pointing each other to the perfect caregiver in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Well said. And I think for us, our desire is actually to continue to drive that deeper into the body, this this one another care. Like we, We want to shepherd but we, we, we look around and we see the size we are to effectively shepherd. We need everyone caring for one another. And so when we think about admonishment and, and encouragement or help, and those things might seem complex and scary. In some ways, patience is a word that we use a little bit more often, that we're aware of it, we're aware of our lack of it. But uh, I think patience, just being patient with one another, especially in the heightened culture right now where we're so quick to just draw hard lines and make, you know, accusatory statements. What role, when you guys read 1 Thessalonians 5.14, what role does patience play as kind of maybe even a starting point in soul care for one another? 
I mean, it is a fruit of the Spirit, one that I sometimes lack. Um, but to be honest with you, um, long-suffering is so like Jesus, right? Like, to does, not, does he not long-suffer with you? Um, does he not show compassion to you? Does he not step into your mess and just love you well through it. And so how, like Lee said, how would I receive that and not want to give it to someone else? So, um, you know, if you don't have any margin in your life because you're running after all kinds of things and trying to achieve all kinds of things and busy with all kinds of things, but you know you're not necessarily giving your best to God, you need to step back and reprioritize a bit and take a look at how do I create the margin? Because if I don't have margin, I'm not patient. You know what I'm saying? I feel pressed. I feel like you're more of an obligation or irritation than an opportunity and someone to slow down and listen to or to help. And so you might need to even just back up and say, why am I so on edge? Why am I so, you know, unable to stop and just really see the opportunity and seize the opportunity to love and care for somebody else? If you want to be patient, then you probably need to abide more deeply with God and let the Spirit have its way with you first. Yeah, I love that. How about you, Lee? Um, that, that, was, that was a great answer. That's, that's probably what I would have said. I think like a follow-up this would have to be in sequential order from what Garrett said. Uh, there's something really freeing. Um, I think if you've heard me, I think at one time I gave kind of my ministry testimony at some point here. But like I was actually trained as a secular therapist um, and then retrained as a biblical counselor. And um, one of the things that, that I found so freeing, um, biblical counseling, first let me say this, is not simplistic. It's simple, but it's not. <laughs> like this verse right here that, we're, that Pete broke down for y'all, like... There's nuances to this that'll blow your mind, mm-hmm. that, that show how careful and prayerful that we should be in interacting with another human soul. <laughs> um, but, but one of the freeing things for me in coming into biblical counseling was seeing um, that I can't change human hearts, only God does that. And it took this immense burden off of me to save, sanctify, and change people. I'm just simply called to love them and point them to Christ um, and, and let, let the Lord do the work in that, and I think that that type of mindsets afforded me a patience that um, is just of the spirit, mm-hmm. because you're out of the way. You're not trying to, you're not trying to produce results. You're not trying to to do something that's above your pay grade, um, because that's where I think then you're at the mercy of your your giftings, but not from the spirit, from your own strength. And it can look spiritual, it can look like good ministry, but it's you doing the labor rather than Christ through you. So the, as instruments of grace, like Paul Tripp calls it, instruments in the Redeemer's hands, he's doing the work, we're just an instrument. That makes you available to be incredibly patient from your abiding relationship through the Spirit as he leads you. Yeah, so one of the things that in my mind, how my mind works, so when I hear this is, okay, we got to be patient with people. It's a process. It's nuanced. It takes time. And there's so many different needs. They're complex. And so we need to be patient. At the same time, it seems like Scripture is calling us to like, identify sin, to not let people continue to just to, all right, well, you know, grace on you and 
So how do we be, how can we be long-suffering and patient with someone and yet not compromise the truth or the care? Because as God's developing care in me, I'm probably going to be like burdened by seeing them struggle in sin, and yet you're calling me to be patient. How do I work through that dynamic? What have you guys told people? Well, you know, like I think a couple times this weekend, some of you were here and some of you weren't, but we, uh, you, you heard uh, Galatians 6, 1 and 2 quoted a few times. It's like, if, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual, you who are love letters, you who have been touched by the new covenant that Christ brought in through his blood for your salvation and for you to be a disciple maker, you know, it, it was Galatians 6, 1 and 2 that, that you would, you, you were spiritual, would restore them gently. Okay, so there is a urgency to that. Like, oh, my, my brother, sister's caught in a transgression. I must go and speak the truth in love. I can't just love them and hope that somehow my love embarrasses them enough to repent, though sometimes that actually isn't a bad plan. Um, but then, but, but doing it with truth in mind. So it's like, brother, I love you too much to see you go back to that again. Your wife caught you one more time looking at that and you're not broken. You, who have you confessed this to? Have you gone to God? Have you gotten right? Have you talked to your wife about getting help? Are you serious about change? Um, I will be patient with you, and I will not condemn you, but I am going to be in your grill on a regular basis at the same time. And I will do it over and over as long as you will listen, and I will do it more and more tenderly as I see your heart softening. But I am going to be your uh, accountability, your care, your... I'm going to press you every time I see you to make sure that that's being dealt with and you're getting the help you need yeah patience to me is not a speed um it's more about um like a deep concern for them to walk in the fullness of what god's redeemed them to walk in yeah um and so there there can be that like i was sitting with a guy this week um who's coming out of a lot of darkness we've seen a lot of movement in his life um it's been amazing to watch um but he's it's like the smoldering effects of sin he's still smoking a bit so to speak and, and sometimes he kind of gets pulled back into it. And when he does, he isolates from everybody. Um, and so we got him back in the room. And, and, and I know he's a long-term project. There's so much carnage in his life that needs careful work. I just trust the great shepherd to get to every aspect of it. And I know that we're going to play a part in that. But, but when he pulled back the way that he did, it was dangerous. So we sat with him across the couch, me and his advocate. And what was so great about it is like, I just simply kind of teed it up a little bit by opening up a couple concerns. And then his advocate, who, who's loved him for a long time, loved him in gutters, literally, um, really did most of the heavy lifting. And, and the patience in us knowing that God's going to get him where he wants him um, provoked us to great urgency to get him to see like, bro, like this is so dangerous. You can't do this again. Like if you continue to do this, you'll be, your, your, your flesh is still so familiar to you. It'd be easy for you to believe the lies of the enemy because he was walking in loaded with lies. Loaded with lies, couldn't see truth very well. But it was so amazing because by the end of that meeting, through just, I, I would say, patient, careful admonishment, um, the fog had lifted and, and he was hopeful again. And I said, okay, I want you to repent 
and talked to Jesus about what you heard. And through tears, he broke and confessed and repented, and he left a different guy. That was patient. Yeah. Because we didn't solve everything, but I think we pressed in because of the urgency. Like, God's got more for you here, you know? Like, and, 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 and if you've been touched by God's grace, and, and it's changed your life forever, you know that God has more for you. Like, the depths and the riches and the knowledge and the mercy of Jesus Christ, we'll never get to the bottom of that cavern. Like the glories of the gospel, we'll never get to the bottom of it. Evidently, we have eternity in heaven to try to, though, right? Um, I think it's when it, what's going to keep us worshiping so much. Um, but, but, but when you see somebody bound up, and, and they're not walking in more and more progressively towards that fullness, like that should create a patient urgency in you to kind of like draw them further into that. So it's not a speed thing. Because it can cover a lot of ground quickly if it needs to. It's more so recognizing that God's got this. He loves them more than I do. He's been so incredibly patient with me and long-suffering. Like, what's the play right now, Lord? Like, what would you have us do right now? Which is what I appreciate so much about this, this text. Is it's like, okay, Lord, what are we working with here? You, you discern hearts perfectly. You want me to press in? Yeah. You want me to bear with? Okay. Yeah, and I, just, I, I think that's so well said that it's not a speed. Because I think that's sometimes how we think about it. But yet it is the opposite. It's actually the opposite of that. It's just it's the overarching attitude. Yeah, I would say I was thinking about what you were saying. It's a heart posture. Yeah, it's a heart posture towards God. You're in control. I don't have to be because controlled is, is not patient. Um, and and a heart posture towards them. He's got this, but I'm in this with you. And so it's patience is is not passivity. Mm. Um. You know, but it's also not, it's, you may be composed, but you're not complacent. So there's this urgency in patience to press, but there's a calmness in Christ to wait. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, that'll preach. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, just let's use more alliteration. Yeah, can alliteration, we? you can't go wrong there. I think that's a beautiful thing because patience is something that um, really is a dist- should be a distinctive because it's a hallmark of God's actions towards us. And so as we walk through this process, um, I, I think it's great. It's not passivity. Um, we can be, because none of these, these components here in verse 14 actually contradict one another. They're not in separate silos. They, they can happen all at once. And they're kind of covered with the patient posture. Well, um, again, we're thankful for you guys. I would love for you, as you've, you've been with our church now a few days, Garrett, for you, Lee, this is three times in like the last 15, 16 months. Uh, as you look at our church, and we have a desire to continue to foster soul care, and we believe it's an every member opportunity. Everyone who's here can play a role in that in some way. Not everyone's going to be called biblical counseling. In fact, a lot of the counseling is going to happen outside of the counseling ministry. That's the way God designed it. So maybe from here, both of you, just kind of your final thoughts of how an average attender, not currently serving as a biblical counselor, not feeling called to move in that direction, and yet wanting to be a part of the local church in the way that God's called them to, how can an average attender play a part in this church-wide soul care? Well, you know, I'm not all that excited about all you becoming... Uh, formal counselors or hanging a shingle somewhere that actually scares me for a lot of you but um but what i am excited for is every one of you is a soul care provider whether you know it or not 
You know, you are a counselor of sorts. And think of counselor as discipler. Think of counselor as someone who speaks for the Lord into someone else's life. But who do you counsel the most? Yourself. And how's your self-counsel? Is it biblical? Are you meditating? Are you memorizing? Are you speaking the truth and love to yourself? Are you, uh, are you going up against lies with divine weapons that break down strongholds? Are you doing that yourself? If you are, you're like, yeah, actually, I, I have overcome a lot of lies. I do speak the word. I hear the word constantly. I meditate on it day and night. Well, why the heck aren't you telling somebody else? You know, like if you're doing it, then do it with other people because God has not got you there just so you can be this shiny little sanctified Christian. All right, you're supposed to be giving that away. If you need that, if you need more of that, go get it. But if you have it, then let people start to show you what lane to be a caregiver in this church. You do not need to be a formal counselor to be in the soul care ministry. Love it, Lee. Um, I think I would just just give you guys Hebrews 3, um, and then I'll make a couple points. Um, I won't preach, I, I promise Pete. <laughs> um, take, uh -oh. <laughs> yeah. um, he says this, this, they don't know who wrote Hebrews, um, but whoever the writer was, they, uh, he says this, uh, take care, brothers. Um, that's, that's us, brothers and sisters, the church. Lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart. Mm. So there's a lot of unbelievers in here. <laughs> Um, but are more defined by their belief in Christ. Um, I, I love the song that we sang that declared the promises of God um, because my heart is prone to begin to doubt. If Eve did in the garden in the presence of God, why wouldn't we? Because Satan was able to simply tempt her with a half-truth that, that doubted God's character that had her believe a lie that, well, maybe God is holding out on me. Hmm. That's actually the original sin. It's called pride. She assaults God's character because of a lie that was planted in her. And, and the writer of Hebrews is, is seeing that and, and seeing the propensity. Um, lest an e any of you have an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. Here it is. Here's our ministry right here. But exhort one another um, every Sunday. Is that it? Nope. Exhort one another every day as long as it's called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Um, I mean, just be in each other's lives. Be known. That means if, if you struggle to be transparent and vulnerable in small group, man, you're missing out. I get it. It's, 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 it's intimidating. It's scary. But be known. And, and you don't have to like vomit your whole life out in the next small group just because I'm telling you to do that. But start to be a bit more transparent about your struggles. Like everybody knows your marriage isn't perfect. Just acknowledge it, mm -hmm. right? Like, I mean, and if you think it, it is, and like, let's, let me go talk to your spouse for a second, right? But just, just be transparent about your struggles, your fears, your doubts. Um, there's something incredibly freeing to be able to bring a broken place in your heart before other believers and say, guys, I'm struggling here. Hmm. You, what do you think they're going to do? They're probably going to get around you and lay their hands on you and pray for you. They're going to minister the gospel to you. That's soul care. That's so okay. And then as you're being transformed by that type of gospel transparency, then, then move in on others and seek to know them that way because these unbelieving hearts, if they're left alone and we're not abiding in Christ and we're in a dark environment like that you guys are, we'll believe lies more and more and more and not even realize how far we've gotten away because our hearts are so hardened. But if we're regularly bumping into each other because we're checking in each other through text messages, coffees, meals 
And then Sunday you come together, you've been exhorting each other all week, and now we're going to worship and sing promises again, set under the word again, and go back into the dark world and be the light of Christ again. That's what the church does, right? And so y'all are doing that, but like, like don't, don't let it wane. Like keep going, keep going and keep being intentional to, to exhort one another in the gospel as long as it's called today. Thank you, guys. Can we thank both Lee and Garrett for being here this weekend? My prayer this morning was that this conversation and just kind of the setup and the conclusion of our look at 1 Thessalonians 5.14, God would use it through the power of the Holy Spirit to impact you in some way. For some of it, it's just a, a kind of a reminder that what you're doing and the investment you're making, the long-suffering you're showing people right now is the right thing. Continue to stay faithful to that. For others of you, God's been poking you to say, I need you to start looking at how you can care for others rather than just care for yourself. If, if you want help to know, how can I do that? How can I grow in that way? We would love to talk with you. Um, that doesn't mean you have to become a biblical counselor or a discipleship leader, but we have uh, trainings and uh, opportunities to help you f- figure that out so you could be more effective, be more part of this local church. But for some of you this morning, I know for a fact you came to church hurting and broken and you actually need the care of the church. Uh, Our staff, our pastors will be up here after the service. We want to pray with you today. If you need counseling, we offer that freely here. We want to hear your story, come alongside you carefully and point you to the one who can actually bring healing and help. And so don't wait. Don't say, well, I got to get some things right and then I'll get into counseling or then I'll share my story and get some help. Today, let the Lord help you with that. I'm going to pray for us and then we're going to just kind of sing a song in response and And then we'll be on our way. Would you join me in prayer? Father God, I thank you so much for this weekend. I thank you for the men and women who uh, were able to attend the conference and just to continue to receive training for their own um, lives. First to minister to their own hearts, but then to be able to minister to those who you've called them to care for. Um, Thank you for the men and women who came to speak and to lead and the team that helped put on that conference, Lord. We pray that you were glorified. And for this morning, God, we thank you for for Lee and Garrett and this opportunity just to consider patience. God, thank you for being patient with us. But help us just to remember that that patience you show us is not just intended to stop with us, but to flow through us and extend to other people as we care for one another. God, supernaturally allow our church to be a church that cares so beautifully that it can't help but shine in a dark part of our country. Let us be your hands and feet. We pray this in your son's name. Amen.